Somebody stay with me today. I said, somebody stay with me today. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, God revealed himself to Israel as Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am the Lord. The big part there says, I am the Lord that heals you. Yeah. He said, for I am the Lord that heals you. That's, that's the revelation of God as Jehovah Rapha. And this character of God will never change. He's a healer. He remains a healer. Forever a healer. Notwithstanding the name of the sickness or disease, he remains a healer. Notwithstanding the situation, he remains a healer. That's what we believe him to be. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. Let me share a few things that I think we need to take care of. These things are the things that really stand between the promises of God and the actualization of it in the life of his people. The word of God will never fail. Situation and circumstances may fail, but God's word remains the same. The actualization of God's word in the life of his people, there are only a few things that can stand in between uh, um, the promises and us. One, weak faith or lack of faith. And I'm going to explain this. Weak faith or lack of faith. A weak faith will stand between the actualization of God's promises and your current situation and circumstances, especially in the area of healing. Weak faith or lack of faith. Weak faith or lack of faith. Faith is more than believing. I preach this many times. Faith is more than believing. Head faith is different from heart faith. What do I mean? Mental assent is not faith. Real faith comes out of a conviction from the heart. It moves one to take action beyond I believe. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? In Matthew 17, when you read from verse 14, a boy was brought to the disciples of Christ. He had epilepsy. And his father brought him to the disciples of Christ said that they, can, they, they will heal him. And they could not heal him. This boy that was suffering from epilepsy. Now what happened? The man, because he believed that Christ can heal the guy, insisted that, you know, and reported the case to Christ. And what, what, verse 17 of Matthew 17. Then Jesus answered and said, talking to his disciples now, he said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? And how long shall I bear with you? So bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him. And the child was cured. Somebody say cured. The child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Why? Why? And the question why is a very important question. Very important question. Very important question. Why? Why? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, as shortly I said to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. 
However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus pointed to their unbelief. He pointed to their weak or ineffective faith as the reason why they could not kill the guy, why they could not cast out the, the, the devil. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if, if something comes, that thing can go. Are you still with me? Are, are, we, are, we, are we together? I said if something comes, that means that's the ability to go. Faith comes, that means faith can go. When the devil tries anything on my life and your life, his whole target is not so much of uh, how you feel about it and all that. What he's actually looking for is to deflate your faith. Are you still with me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith goes by experiences and negative experiences coming from the devil. When negative experiences come into our lives, what they want to do is to take away some faith from our heart. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? And it takes the word of God to increase your faith. And as you walk on the word of God and you get certain measure of result, then your faith is boosted. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, you, you couldn't do it because of your unbelief or very weak faith. Because he said, if you say to the mountain, move, it will move. But he now said something. He said, I'll be this kind does not go except by prayer and fasting. Now, some people have gotten a, uh, um, some kind of not very correct understanding of that. Prayer and fasting, from what Jesus said, because he was addressing lack of faith or ineffective faith, what he was saying was that prayer and fasting can fix your lack of faith or ineffective faith problem. Am I saying the truth? So, prayer and fasting, therefore, is not something that I do quick fix. It's something that I'm supposed to do to continue to build my faith against the time that an adversary will show up. Am I saying the truth today? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, a lot of the time we turn these things on their head. So, somebody is going through a problem right now, and we say, even though you have not fasted once this year, so the next three days you don't want to eat because of the problem. <laughs> Sometimes that works because it pumps your faith a little bit. But that's not how to live. How to live is to consistently build your faith. When we pray and fast, it opens us up to God and to the understanding of God's word and to revelation knowledge. And it builds up our faith from the level where it used to be to where it ought to be. So that when adversity comes, we're not second-guessing the ability of God to resolve the situation. Am I saying the truth? Well, but many of us would rather, you know, in this church, for instance, we tell all of our workers, oh, please fast on Wednesdays, you know, pray and all that, just so that we know that you are building your faith every week, and you are able to subdue the flesh, do without your meal, and, you know, all that, and focus all the attention on God's word, on prayer, you know, and all that. 
But some people will wait until there's a problem. You know when there's a problem, that's no longer fasting because you can't eat. Really and truly. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, you really can't eat. Food is not, food is not in focus when there's a problem. Yeah. So a lot of the emergency fasting that we do when there's a problem, they don't bring the result that they're supposed to bring. When a problem should not be the only thing that will force me to seek the face of God. I should seek the face of God because I want to feel my spirit. And I want my faith to grow. Secondly, not exercising my spiritual authority can also create a gap between God's promise of healing and what I'm experiencing in my life. So I need to exercise my spiritual authority over demons, over generational curses, over familiar spirits, you know, and all that put together. And not just to watch things happen around me. Luke chapter 9, verse number 1, Jesus talking about, you know, sending out his disciples. He, he, he said, and Bible says, and he gave them power. He called his disciples and he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He gave them power and authority. So whether they use it or not is another issue. But he gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power or authority over, he said, I've given you all authority over demons and, you know, everything. He said, When we exercise our authority, Jesus said, We trample on serpent and scorpion and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the authority that we're being given. If my default setting as a believer is not to exercise my authority, I may not see the promises come to pass. Last Sunday we were saying, as we're talking about um, uh, um, you know, medical science and all, Christianity is not against medical science, but medical science is not the default to a covenant child of God. The default is authority, and then medical science. As I'm growing in my faith, medical science, revealed knowledge, that's medical science, based on research. The Bible says the secret things belong to God. The things that are revealed belong to us and our children. If it says something belongs to us, something revealed knowledge, that means medical science belongs to us. Am I saying the truth? The things that are revealed. Science is based on research. You cannot gain any knowledge except it has been revealed. Science is our quest to pursue revealed knowledge. Things that has been revealed to man. Are you still with me today? And it's to support, you know, living. To make living a lot easier. But God has his own covenant provision for his people. And as a covenant child of God, I access medical science from time to time, but I'm saying that if I make that my default, I shouldn't wait until the day when that failed, fails me before I come back to God. I shouldn't make that my default. If I make it my default, what will happen is that when it comes to an end in itself, that's when I will now remember God. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible says yes, she has suffered many things from the hands of many physicians 
and by no means was made well. She, uh, she was completely spent. She said, the Bible says she spent all that she had. Then, she now decided that uh, since they couldn't solve her problem, go to Jesus. Can you imagine if she started with Jesus? And she started to take her authority, especially a New Testament believer who has authority. Started to take her authority. Get medical you know, help quite a lot. Try to also use her authority with it. Maybe she wouldn't have spent all that she had. Maybe she wouldn't have suffered many things from the hands of many, many physicians. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. Somebody say, I'll take my authority. Or come and say, somebody say, I will exercise my authority. So Jesus said, behold, I give unto you authority to trample on serpent and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Very, 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 very important. Very, very important. That we learn to take our authority from time to time, especially over things that we have authority. We have authority over sickness. When I feel pain in my body, the first thing I do is to take authority. I said in the, in the last service that even some, some of us, we, we lose the consciousness of the fact that the person who doesn't want me well, who doesn't want me happy, who doesn't want me blessed is the devil. So, for instance, I was saying in the last service, if your spouse is getting on your nerves and you know that you're going to scatter things, what's the first to be your default? Your default is to ask yourself, who wants to take away peace from our house? The devil. So I stand in the corner and rebuke the devil first. And then I pray to God, God, I speak calmness to the heart of my wife. So as I start to speak to her, we'll resolve this problem now in Jesus' name. Oh yeah, let's go. And then we start to talk about it. You see, if I don't come to the consciousness of the fact that the person who doesn't want joy in my home, peace in my home, is the devil. You know some people, some men especially, will say, see that woman, she loves trouble. Is there a woman that loves trouble? No, sincerely. And sincerely speaking, I don't think there's any man or woman who wants his house or her house scattered. Some women also gather together. See men, they're troublemakers. They love trouble. They don't like peace. There's nothing like that. Both men and women will love peace in our homes. Am I saying the truth? The person who the Bible calls a robber, he wants to steal joy. He wants to steal my peace. Is the devil. When I stand against him, when I take my authority over him, his hold over my spouse, if at all any hold, will be broken. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's the same way it happens even in the area of our health. We need to know and understand where the problem is. Who is the person that wants me incapacitated? That wants me to remain at home and not go to work? That wants me not to be able to be the one to take care of my children? It's the devil. I rebuke him first when I feel any pain before I talk to my doctor. That shouldn't be what I'm doing second. That should be what I always do first. Are you still with me today? When we refuse to take our authority, there may be a gap between the promise of God's word and our actual experience. Thirdly, negative emotions. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14, 
It says the spirit of a man will sustain his sickness. Sustain him in sickness. The spirit of a man is what will sustain him and hold him through infirmity. But a broken spirit who can bear. What breaks the human spirit the most is negative emotion. Negative emotion. When we have all negative emotions, it breaks our spirit. The spirit is weak. It cannot sustain us through any infirmity. Medical science has come to terms with the fact that most diseases, many, not most, many diseases are psychosomatic. By that it means that it's a result of what is going on in the spirit or the mind of a man. It has no uh, pathological uh, um, connection. It, it has nothing to do with virus or anything like that. The Bible says that the, the spirit of a man, the strength of a man's spirit is what will carry him through adverse situations. When the spirit is weak, you cannot carry through. And what breaks the spirit the most? Negative emotions. Negative emotions. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. And when you hold on to this bitterness, you cannot be confessing the word of God for healing and be holding on to bitterness. Just won't work. And at the end of the day, we cannot say that God is not faithful with his word. His word is true. But he said, let go of this unforgiveness. Let go of this bitterness. Let go of this excessive anger. Seek help from this thing that breaks your spirit consistently because the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. Life comes from my spirit to my body. Not the other way around. Life flows from the human spirit into his body. When God created man, he molded the man and then imparted life into him. Are you still with me? And that life is in this human spirit. That's why when, 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 when our time is up and we have to go, we shed the, the body. The man transitions. The man doesn't die. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The real man will transition. The body is just the heart suit that makes for recognition on heart. So life flows from my spirit into my body. When I live consistently in a state of a broken spirit, I will not be able to, life of God will not be able to flow from my spirit to my body. And that will not be able to carry me through any form of infirmity. So it's important that we understand that the word of God will not fail. We just need to do our part. 